1: This is the Puck Pooleys podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Puck Pooleys. Season two rages on. It's technically episode two, but it kind of feels like this is the launch. We are now officially back to our weekly schedule. I'm here with Stephen Ellis, as always, to talk some fantasy hockey, and Stephen, I know you've been busy. Have you been kind of checking out prospects? Were you in Buffalo recently? What's going on, my friend? Buffalo's
2: coming up this week. Uh, I was in Buffalo this week, past weekend, to go shopping. It was kind oh. of fun to just go. And, you know, it went to I don't know eight WalMarts and seven Targets, and it was just kind of like part of it was looking for specific M and M's, fudge M and M's. They seem to Ooh. not have them anymore. But have you ever heard of Pepsi Nitro?
0: uh it rings
2: a bell is it like
0: extra caffeinated
2: no well, not to my understanding it's kind of like the it's like a nitro drink at like uh it's, it's kind of made like almost like it's really smooth it's supposed Ooh. to be kind of almost like a beer type texture uh it's supposed to be like more of a creamier thing and it's i really wanted to try it and i had it and it was just, just whatever but <laughs> it was fine i, I ch- chased around it was just kind of something to do on a saturday in a rare time where i didn't have anything to do it's been a lot of racing a lot of hockey this summer buffalo prospects term i cannot wait. Uh, Shout out to Chef's in Buffalo.
0: I still haven't been to Chef's. And I've tried to go to Dinosaur Barbecue as well. It was too crowded. I couldn't get in. But one of these times, I'll I'll hit up both. Well,
2: it's funny. Actually, I tried to go to Chef's when I was there on Saturday. But they didn't open till 3 o'clock p.m. on a Saturday. Missed opportunity. (laughs) That's very weird. It's only open for five hours on a Saturday. I don't know. That one's weird. I know Buffalo could be a bit quiet on the weekends um, when there's no one going downtown.
0: But that seems odd. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Wow. Okay. Okay, Steven. So, well, let's uh, launch into the episode. And before we get, you know, deep into fantasy player ranking discussion, all that kind of stuff, we're sort of just gearing up for training camp now. And there are a few off-season storylines that have sort of been weighing on my mind in terms of things that will have major implications for the fantasy draft season. So let's start with diving into a few of those. All right, so I guess kind of just we're looking at which
2: fantasy storyline is most important in training camps, and I guess we could start off talking about uh, with what Connor Bedard is going to be doing.
0: Yes, the Connor Bedard line deployment I think is very important. Not so much for where you're picking Connor Bedard because he's going to be the driver. I don't think it's going to really matter who he plays with, unless for some reason it's Taylor Hall playing on a different line. But what really matters is who is going to be the right winger. If we assume Taylor Hall is the left winger. Is it going to be Lucas Reichel playing his opposition? Is it going to be Taylor Radish, who's sort of broken out as a 20-goal scorer? Andreas Athanasio? is it Tyler Johnson? Is it someone else that we haven't even thought of? So that's going to be a very important storyline to watch, watch throughout training camp in the preseason. Whoever does land on that line is going to be immediately draftable. And whoever loses that battle, is going to be someone who falls off the radar, which is particularly important, as we discussed in a previous episode, for Lucas Reichel. He's someone that we both like as a sleeper, but if he's not on that top line, it changes his outlook a little bit. So keep very close eye on that battle.
2: All right. Uh, Another battle that will be very interesting is the Leafs' first-line left-wing job. Because when you look at it, there's Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Matthew Nyes. Hey, maybe Sam Lafferty is on the top line. Probably not. Um, (laughs) But uh, I guess kind of what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, it's a very important battle, and I think Michael Bunting is sort of the case study to prove it, right? He puts, to, puts together back-to-back 23-goal seasons with the Leafs. We know that whoever gets that job and sticks in that job is in for a very plumb fantasy assignment. It's typically with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Occasionally, William Nylander rotates into the top line right-wing spot, but we know it's a dominant top line. So we it looks like at the moment we're expecting Tyler Bertuzzi to get the first crack, but you can't sleep on Max Domi, the old London Knights connection with Mitch Marner. And of course, Matthew Nyes is someone who the Leafs envision as the long-term, probably. Number one left winger. That's why they signed Bertuzzi and Domi to one-year deals. So what really is important to me, it's not just the winner of that, that battle for the front-line left-wing spot. It's also whoever the top two are in that battle. So if you don't get the first-line job while well, you're playing on line two with Tavares and William Nylander, that's still another great fantasy situation. But whoever ends up the odd man out and is the third left winger, that's a big blow to the fantasy value. It's just, it's a big drop off if you're playing on line three. So whoever loses it between Domi, Nyes, and Bertuzzi is going to have to fall in the ranks. So that's a very important battle to watch.
2: And, and as much as I love the idea of Marner and Domi playing together again, I... I guess the one thing to keep in mind is that was almost a full decade ago <laughs> since the last time they played. So, you know, Marner has played with some other players since that, but I would still like it. They're there. I know they're still friends and you know, the, the London Knights connection. is always fun to see. Uh, last one we got here, the Boston Bruins top six forward group, because this team took some major hits uh, this summer. Like just, just off the top of my head, Bergeron, Krejci, Bertuzzi. It's like, uh oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, Garnet yeah. Hathaway it goes on and on and on. The Bruins were absolutely decimated. And we have to look at who's left in that top six. And I think the only combination we can really feel confident in is seeing Pavel Zaka play with David Pasternak. So that I think is going to be a top line combo. They already made really nice music together on the check line last year with David Krejci. We're probably going to see Pavel Zaka play center this year, and he is obviously a major breakout pick, broke out last year, but I think we're going to see Pavel Zaka jump up again from the 50-point range to maybe the 60- or 70-point range. But what's very interesting to figure out in Boston is who else is going to play on that line? Will it be James Van Riemsdijk? Will that drop Brad Marshawn down to the second line? Or... Will Jim Montgomery load up the first line, go with Marshawn, Zaka, and Pasternak, make a super line? That could be a boon to everyone's fantasy value, all three of those players. Or do you move Jake DeBrusk over, play him on the left wing? He's played left wing plenty of times in his career. So it's really important to see how that shakes out. And the second line is going to be a lot less exciting. It's going to be Charlie Coyle and some combination. I'm predicting it's going to be Marshawn, Coyle, DeBrusque, line two, James Van Riemsyke, and Zaka and Pasternak line one. Although I'd love to see Marshawn get a shot on the first line. So keep a very close eye preseason training camp line deployments and see who ends up winning that battle.
2: The Boston Bruins are going to be looking very different next year. And I'm not sure I'm ready to see that. I, I I kind of expected no matter what a regression from this team, like last year was really good, but two of those key players were going to be older if they returned, but they didn't return and they didn't come in and bring a big replacement for the guys that left. So It's going to be an interesting one, uh, for sure. Let's talk a bit about some uh, some league winners in uh, in in your rankings, I guess. And uh, brief words are hard to say. Apparently, Uh, let's start with Evan Bouchard. What are your thoughts on him and why he could be a league winner for you?
0: Don't worry about the words, Stephen. It's preseason for us too. Okay, we're still working out the kinks. You know, you got to just get the brain working at proper full regular season level again. So we still got a few weeks. It's all good. Uh, And first, I just want to define what a league winner is. And when I say league winner, what I mean is if you get a player who returns value that is the equivalent of a player several rounds later, it's kind of like cheating, right? If you get a ninth round pick who performs like a fourth round pick, well, it's like you had an extra fourth round pick. So it gives your team such an advantage that those players are what you define as league winners, because often you'll see like a perfect example being the team that drafted Tage Thompson several rounds into the draft last year often went deep or won their league, right? If you look at the percentage of teams that had Tage Thompson because it was such a cheat code, basically getting an extra first-round pick in the third or fourth round. Uh, So the first one, so after that digression, Evan Bouchard, to me, that's the definition of a league winner. He had 36 points in 33 games, including the playoffs, after Tyson Berry was traded away. So you have Evan Bouchard, power play one, on literally the best power play in NHL history, now for a full season. He had 17 points, I believe, in 12 playoff games. So I think it's a 60-point floor. I think we could see something like an 80-point season out of Evan Bouchard. The fantasy environment is just so sexy there, and he is their primary puck mover now on offense. So to me, if he's someone you can get several rounds into your draft, he could easily end up performing as a top five or top ten fantasy defenseman this year.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if I go eighty points. <laughs> I think fifty points would be a good start. Either way, I think he would be a much more valuable guy than in the past, and definitely a guy they'd want to pick up. I'm definitely targeting him, and I'm in a I'm going to draft in a league this year. It's twelve teams, and it's a lot more. Um, it's all scouts, and the issue is things like looking for Evan Bouchard to take that next step. It's, unfortunately, everyone kind of knows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of guys that scouts love, Devin
0: Levi. Yes, Devin Levi. And I have to give a disclaimer here. When I say league winners, it doesn't mean these players don't have risk. Yes. Some of these players could end up not even playing in the NHL this year, right? But the point is, it's someone who, if they hit, they can completely change your team's fate. So, Devin Levi, I was cautious throughout the summer in my ranking of him, but I really like the fact that Buffalo is not including him in the prospects challenge. To me, the message there is no, no, we're not sending you there for development. We need to hold on to you because we're going to start. Deploying you hopefully in a starting role, or at least they want him to win that job. So yes, he's undersized. There's certainly a lot of risk there. We've seen with Spencer Knight, for example, when Hype can get out of control and a player is anointed before he's even really done anything. That risk is all still there, but so is the upside. Devin Levi is one of the best goaltending prospects in the world, and he's joining a team that's really on the ascension. So if he hits, this could be an absolute monster breakout. And if you get him as your second or third goalie with a later round pick, well, that's just unfair what he can do in terms of the upside for your team. I'd almost
2: argue if there's a guy that pick to win the caller that isn't going to be Connor Bernard, it could be Devin Levi, just for the potential that if he does go on this heater and brings the Sabres to the playoffs, that that, that gives him a pretty good argument there. But of course, we know what Connor Bernard could do. But I will also point out, You know, Connor McDavid didn't win the the Calder Trophy. He did get her in his season, but you never know what happens here. Uh, Speaking of players with a lot of risk, Seth Jones. On the ice, he can be a bit of a mess defensively, but we know he could put up points, and he's going to have a guy named
0: Connor Bernard
2: to pass through this year.
0: Yeah, it's weird for me to be bullish on Seth Jones. He's been sort of a shy away guy for the last several seasons of his career, and obviously once those analytics kind of went south, his overall reputation as a quality player has really taken a beating. But if you look at the environment, so last year with nothing, with so little help, he still managed 12 goals, 37 points, and some above average contributions in the banger categories and the shot category. He actually held his own other than the bad plus minus. Now you have a big influx of talent. So of course, Con Bradard, you have Taylor Hall, a full season, ideally of Lucas Reichel. There are just so many more players around him that can put the puck in the net, that there are going to be players finishing his chances. So suddenly 12 goals, 25 assists could end up being 12 goals, 38 assists, 50 points, right? Because there's going to be more people to help him out. He's going to be in that plum spot on the power play. So hopefully Chicago scores enough to just get that plus minus a little uh, more palatable. Even, Even if you get Seth Jones and he's a minus 15 this year, then I think he's actually going to be quite a useful player in fantasy, very underrated.
2: Yep, I 100% agree, and Seth Jones actually turned to be a very valuable player uh, for one of my teams uh, that I played against in fantasy this year. I felt like every time Seth Jones had a good week, I happened to be playing against the guy who had Seth Jones, and that did not go so well. Uh, A player that I really like, Wyatt Johnson out of Dallas, a player that I would like to point out, when he got drafted, I think everyone was shocked he got drafted as high as he was, and it looks like an absolute steal of a pick right now.
0: Yes, Wyatt Johnson of the Dallas Stars. When I put him down on my list for this episode, I knew you'd be excited. I know he's your guy and I can't blame you. So 24 goals as a rookie with the Dallas Stars for Wyatt Johnson. And he did that only playing 15 minutes a game. So in terms of five on five goals per 60 minutes, he was in the 90th percentile. So scoring at an almost elite rate and theoretically his ice time should continue to grow. He's pretty secure right now is the number two center. Yes, of course, you have to keep an eye on Matt Duchesne, but I think it's more likely you see Duchesne playing the right wing or maybe third line center. I think Dallas wants to keep developing Johnston. I think he's proven himself to be a really good top six forward. So to me, if he already scores 24 goals as a rookie with that limited deployment, I think 30 is definitely not out of the question. But when I was looking at his Yahoo ADP a couple weeks back, I think he was not even going drafted in the top 200. So it's still just absolute thievery right now when it comes to Wyatt Johnson, someone who could be the cheapest 30-goal scorer you can find. By the way, my four-team league is now 16. Oh, my God, six teams. My dad's going to be excited. He was like, yeah, tell Steven to get a, get a bigger league. Yeah, hey, I'm in three
2: leagues. i got one that's 20 teams, one that's that's 12, and one that's now six. But the six was way too much fun. We came down <laughs> to the wire like every – like it was literally like eight points separating four teams. It was great. Um <laughs> <laughs> to finish off this section, though, uh, the guy that we are definitely going to talk about later in this one is Joseph Wool, uh, the Toronto Police. I think a guy that we had a bit of a discussion yesterday uh, and talking about it. And I think that. Signing Martin Jones, and I, I know most people are kind of writing that off and saying, ah, oh, whatever. It's like he's 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 there to start training camp, have an extra body, see what happens, and then I'll go put on waivers. But it's like there's other guys that could put on waivers. I feel like just given the circumstances of Toronto's goalies the last couple of years, you'd almost want to have that third goalie ready to go, and they don't have a really capable guy in the AHL this year. That's the thing. The AHL for the Marlies, they're going a lot younger this year and a lot less experience, and they're bringing some of their prospects over. Um not really like Keith Petruzzelli, is he an NHL caliber goalie? I don't think so. And he's your best call up option at this point. So Jones gives you this extra backup there, knowing that, you know, both goalies that are playing that are, that are there have dealt with pretty significant injuries the last couple of years. So, you know, having Jones there is good. That being said, Joseph Wolf could be a starting goalie by November. So I guess, what are your thoughts here?
0: Yeah, so many different outcomes that are possible here. And and you do raise good points about Martin Jones and the Leafs needing that insurance. And I could see a scenario in which the Leafs keep all three because you could lose Martin Jones if you sent him down. And then you lose that depth, like you said. On the other hand, I don't see a scenario in which which Joseph Wool gets sent down because he's no longer waivers exempt. So the Leafs could never risk losing him. And if he does perform at the level they hope... It's just amazing to have someone on a deal that cheap as your starter, right? It's great for cap purposes, long-term as well. And if you look at Ilya Samsonov, he was really good last year. He was actually a top 10 goalie during the regular season. But the injuries, they flared up more than once in his career. Inconsistency as well, we saw in the playoffs. And I think Joseph Wool, I just like his makeup. He was red hot in the AHL last year. Came up to the NHL. He was dominant, 932 save percentage. He looked very poised during the playoffs. The moment was not too big for him. He's big. He's athletic. I think he's got the right level of swagger, not cockiness, but confidence in his game. I think he just has everything you want to see in someone who's a long term number one goaltender. So I am quite a believer. And I'm not saying for sure that he wins the job, but if I'm placing my chips on one of those three goaltenders to be the starter by the end of the year, I think it's going to be wool. And if you do win that job and become the Leafs 1A, well, that's a team that usually wins 50 games in its sleep. And has played underrated, well above average defense in the last couple seasons, despite the reputation previously of not being good defensively. It's not true anymore. So good defensive team that's also going to score a lot of goals, win a lot of games, and you're a rising young goaltender. To me, that's potential to be massively valuable in fantasy. But right now, the cost is not going to be too high because we don't know what's happening. So it's the perfect time to get in on the ground floor, stash Joseph Wool. and if it doesn't work out, no big deal. You're using a late pick on him. But if it does work out, that's the definition of a league winner. If you play in one of those leagues that when you take a goalie,
2: you also get the back of goalie for that team. Like you do could do a lot worse than Toronto, I guess. Oh yes.
0: It's a very good point. Yes, yes. So I think next up, Steven, we're going to transition to the, the tip of the week, if I remember correctly, even though I know you're supposed to introduce it, I just decided to take the reins. I don't know why, so I'm going to do it. Um, the tip of the week. We're already talking a little bit, or we're looking at a couple of rookies. So Joseph Wohl is one. We have rookies on the mind. We already talked about Connor Bedard. And I think that's the right mindset to have at this time of year. If you're starting your fantasy draft prep, you're wondering what to pay the most attention to in the news cycle. I wouldn't worry too much about the veterans because they're not going to play as much as they normally would. They're not going to play that much in the preseason, and we're not going to learn too much about them. Teams are going to be saving their veterans. Obviously, they don't want anyone to get hurt in the regular season. What matters most is looking at those rookies and their deployments. So in some cases, will this rookie make the team or not? So someone like Leo Carlson on the Anaheim Ducks, Brant Clark on the LA Kings, players that have really big upside if they make the team. So keeping an eye on them, very important. Other examples would be prospects that are probably going to make the team already, but where are they going to play? So Adam Fantilli, is he going to be a top six forward right away? Logan Cooley, is he going to push Barrett Hayton for the number one center job right away? Things like that. So If you're wondering where to focus your energy this time of year when you're just kind of working out the cobwebs, I would say look closely at the rookies, the prospects, and
3: how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
0: track their deployment a lot.
2: Yeah. A couple other guys I'll kind of mention is Simon the uh, New Jersey Devils, a guy that, you know, the Devils have a bit of a, a crowded blue line, but he is definitely capable of playing NHL hockey this coming year. And uh, I, I, there's almost to a point where Luke Hughes is definitely the better defenseman at this point, but I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking about Niemich being the better uh, defenseman for the Devils down the line just because I think he's a better defensive player, but he still has that offensive ability there. Uh, David Yerchek, another one um, out of Columbus, where I, I have, I'm so high on him. I think he's going to be an incredible defenseman, a number one defenseman on that team down the line. Uh, but they went out there, got Proveroff and Damon Severson, and, and Zach back. So that makes that route a little bit tougher. Matthew nice again, could be first line, could be third line. We mm-hmm. don't know on how that's going to work. And there is a difference between the caliber of players on that first line in Toronto and the calibers on the third line. Uh, Joel Hofer, another one uh, out of St. Louis, who, you know, Maybe he's the starting goalie come like February. Like that's the thing about St. Louis, where Jordan Bennington is very up and down. When he's up, he's very good, but there's too many downs. And with Hofer, he could go over and take that that job. Uh, and then Logan Stankoven, another one out of Dallas, where the Stars have a really fun prospect pool. Like it's kind of a mid pack team, but for a team of that quality to still have some prospects worth getting excited about, uh, Logan Stankoven is definitely one of them. Uh, so it will be interesting to see where he can go in the lineup Whether he plays center or wing. I think just on the team, he'll probably go wing, but he's an unbelievable face-off guy. I think he led the world juniors in face-off percentage in both the years. Uh, and then, uh, one last one. I'm trying to blank on who I wanted to talk about here. Um, uh, Olin Zellweger, uh, with the Anaheim Ducks it's funny looking. I just, I just tweeted about their uh, defense uh, core that they're using at their prospect tournament, which by the way, I love the prospect tournament time. It's mm-hmm. great. I just wish they all weren't the same weekend. <laughs> that kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Zellweger. He could play anywhere from top pair to being in the AHL this year. Like that's kind of just the way the ducks are looking. They have a really poor uh, defense core. Um, but with, with Zellweger, he's got this high potential, but do you want to rush him right away? You know, the ducks are going to be a bad mm-hmm. team again. You don't need him there. But I think he's capable of playing at least some games there. So those are the guys I'd be looking at.
0: Okay, it's going to be an amazing rookie class. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with our guest, Nick Alberga. We're going to bring him on right now. Okay, it's time for our first guest of season two here at Puck Pooleys. And it's it's probably our favorite guest. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's our buddy. He's our colleague. He's Daily Faceoff's resident fantasy writer, host of Leafs Morning Take, our friend Nick Alberga. Nick, how are you doing, my friend?
4: I'm fantastic. When you said number one, it reminded me of that Nelly song. Um, One of the best ever that nobody really thinks about. Number one by Nelly. How are you guys? (laughs) What a start.
0: My mom, who's 74 years old, legitimately likes Nelly. I don't know why. It's just a thing. She's into Nelly and Pitbull. Nobody can explain it. It's just the way it is. Nick, uh, I know you've been traveling a lot. I've been seeing some of your, your posts, your tweets, your Instagrams. What was going on this summer? Was it epic?
4: Yeah, you got to take a load off sometimes. You guys know this, covering the NHL the way we have for the last uh, X amount of years. I uh, I decompressed. I planned a bit of a Euro trip. It was like 13 days into Lisbon, uh, Barcelona, Ibiza, and I uh, finished with a couple days in Dublin. So it was like really, really relaxing at times. Um, uh, sometimes it was really, really busy, but it was a good time. Like it, it's good to get away if you can, and I try to do that every off season, and this one was no different. How was uh, how was your summers?
0: It was good. I, you know, I was saying before, I, pretty chilling for me, not as many weddings, bachelor parties, but just unplugging is crucial, especially yeah. you have to have those moments where you don't think about hockey. I, I try to go for it where even if I'm traveling, I try not to check my phone. You just got to you got to you got to reset the brain.
4: Well, it's funny. It's funny. Like you say that too, because I was in, I think where was I I was in Lisbon. And of course the Eric Carlson trade goes down. It's like, man, can you just leave me alone for a couple <laughs> weeks? But nonetheless, like GMs act when they want to act, you know, I cover the Leafs. They've made some big news the last couple weeks. I know we're not going to talk about that, but like, I'm supposed to still be on vacation a bit, but it's not going that way. Unfortunately.
2: Also, Nick, when you always say that you always want teams to make trades, I always hate it when I see those tweets because those have, trades always happen at the absolute worst time. Yeah. Like when Matt was on vacation and this the, the Carlson was trade was on, it was a Saturday, and I'm going yeah. to the beach and I'm yeah. writing a story on the way to the beach. And it's like, so I don't like when you tweet that. Just so you
4: know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll try to to, to to go back on those a bit this year, but that's what makes the NHL fun. Any yeah. day you wake up, something big or small could happen, even as we record this Adam Lowry's a new captain of the Winnipeg Jets, right? That's
0: right, and of course, we just heard Toy Krug injured while training, so who knows what the implications of that injury will be for the St. Louis Blues, a team that I was already not very high on going into the season. But Nick, let's dive in now. Let's do some fantasy talk, and yeah. this is great. We have a chance to cross-promote because my first question is about rookies, and Stephen, you have a piece on DailyFaceoff.com right now, looking at the top 20 Call the Trophy candidates, and one thing Stephen points out in the piece is yes of course this is the conor bedard year but this is an absolutely epic rookie class it might be the most stacked rookie class i've ever seen going into a season so i'm curious nick in terms of fantasy relevance in year one if it's not conor bedard who is the rookie you're most excited
4: about So I haven't checked out this article just yet, but knowing Steve, the way I do, and he's a goalie. I wonder if there's a guy in Buffalo that he's touting quite highly. And I know a lot of people are feeling that way. So to answer your question, Devin Levi would be my guy just more. So because I'm really, really curious to see how he fares in the league. You know, like, I think it's so interesting young goalies. I can't remember the last, like. 21-year-old who had an unbelievable like body of work over an 82-game slate. We've seen really, really good goalies make a great first impression in the NHL. But the one thing mm-hmm. we've learned is there's always turbulence uh, along the way. Like Spencer Knight, if you do recall, last year at this time, guys, everybody was talking about him. I know this isn't more play-induced, although I think he got sick around December. Wasn't the same goalie, and certainly a breakout candidate this year as Spencer Knight. But I wonder if it's just going to be like chill and simple and easy. And I don't think it could be that way for the Buffalo Sabres for Devin Levi. So he's probably the guy, aside from Connor Bedard, I'm really, really excited to see this year. I mean, Buffalo hasn't been to playoffs since 2011. There were five and two and seven appearances for Devin Levi last year. So I wonder if this could finally be the year where we see a legitimate goaltender in terms of vying for the Calder Trophy. I know everybody's expecting Connor Bedard to win, and I get that. But a goalie hasn't won the Calder since 2011. What was his name again, Steve?
2: Oh, was it? Wasn't Steve Mason? That was a yeah, It's wasn't.
4: an Oakville boy, Steve Mason. It, it, was, it yeah. was Steve Mason. Yeah. It's a yeah. trick yeah. question because we're Oakville guys, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. uh, So we're talking about Devin Levi and I kind of wrote my piece and like, I don't like, I expect growing pains here. We are still talking about a guy who's quite small by NHL standards and that could be difficult. Buffalo does have a bit of a goalie carousel. You notice how they haven't got rid of Eric Comrie yet. Mm -hmm. And that gives them that extra bit of flexibility um, in that situation there. And they also have Luoken in there. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, uh, At the time of this, the Buffalo Sabres have not released a prospect uh, camp roster. It'd be interesting to see if Devin Levi's there. I doubt it. But uh, I think also because Buffalo, everyone expects them to kind of take that next step forward soon. But they, they're still they weren't a playoff team last year. They haven't been a playoff team quite a long time. What's one more year of, of giving the young guys all the opportunities to learn, all the, the, the problems with that don't penalize him for having a couple of rough stretches. Give him as many starts as you possibly can to see if he's really your guy uh, and see what happens there. So that's kind of my thought. But now you you're you've you were talking about all the vacation you've been on, but I just know that you probably were like one night, you know, maybe middle of August, you're like, yo, there's just one sleeper that's stuck in my head that I really need to talk about. Uh, so who's the draft? Deep sleeper that you can't get out of your mind right now.
4: So this started on free agency day, believe it or not, July one, July two, that area. And I have two of them because I couldn't decide between the two. And they they're both signing with teams who include former teammates back from their junior days. So I'm starting with Connor Brown of the Edton Oilers. I just can't get him on my head. I know it's not gonna work out. I could tell you right now, we think, oh my goodness, Connor Brown's back with Connor McDavid. It's it's gonna be a match made in heaven, it's gonna be perfection. I'm not sure about that just yet. I, I think Connor Brown's better suited for the third line, but obviously they're going to give him a shot in that top line. And the other one is Jonathan Juran, right? He He's back with his former Halifax Mooseheads teammate in Nathan McKinnon in Colorado. If there's one way that Jonathan Juren's going to refine his game and his career after his time in Montreal, it's with Colorado riding shotgun with McKinnon and Ranton. and again, it's fair to be skeptical on, on, on both fronts. I mean, Brown played four games last year coming off ACL surgery. That's tough to come off. And, of course, Duran had two goals last year and 29 points. So that's why these guys are sleepers because it could work out. It might not work out. So those are the two names that come to mind for me, guys.
0: I love those picks. And, and I, I particularly like Duran as a deep, deep sleeper because if you look at the fact that Nathan McKinnon, he was the one who actively recruited Durant, So to me, that really ups the odds that we're going to see him get to play with McKinnon. McKinnon is making it happen himself. He's not saying, come on to Colorado and play on the fourth line. He's saying, <laughs> bro, come play with me, right? So I think it's a very exciting guy to target at the end of your draft. Uh, maybe looking at a little higher in the draft, not necessarily sleepers, but maybe just breakouts or somebody you're really hot on, Nick. Is there someone that you're just you're going to try and walk out of every draft that you do with this player this year.
4: So this answer is more dependent on like how big your league is, but the name I can't get out of my head this year for some reason, he's on the Anaheim Ducks. Again, I'm always skeptical of that team, but it's Mason McTavish. Uh, It sounds like he's going to center the second line. Alex Kaloran, who they signed in the offseason, could play with him. He's going to be on the first power play unit. So that means exposure to the likes of Drysdale and um, you know, Zegers and guys like that and Troy Terry. So I like that fit quite a bit. And aside from that, you sort of forget, like last year, Mason McTavish was pegged to potentially win the Calder Trophy, and it went off the rails in the first half, quite frankly. And even with that, guys, still scored an easy 17 goals and 43 points. So you wonder now he's got his feet under him in the NHL. The Ducks are maybe a bit more improved than they were a year ago at this time. If he can at least get to 60 or 65 points this season, because it's It's a league where you just remember, you know, what's transpired the last six to eight months, but like, there's a reason why Mason McTavish was so highly touted in the COVID era, what he did in junior hockey. And I wonder if he gets to that next threshold, um, offensively next year. So that's like sort of my sleeper slash like bounce, you know, breakout candidate, if you will, is Mason McTavish, the Anaheim ducks. You guys like that play? I do. Anything Anaheim Ducks, I'm kind of
2: happy about right now. I know that it's still probably not going to be a great year for them, but I love how they're going all youth this year. And if Olin Zellweger, assuming he makes the team, Mm -hmm. that's just going to be so much fun. He's also, uh, let's not forget McTavish, when he had the Dominant World Junior Tournament in 2022. Zellweger was the one creating a lot of that damage. So I like that. Uh, So Nick,
4: what's the one top 100 player in the league that you're avoiding like the plague this season? It depends, I guess, on rankings, which I think are always subjective. I love people coming at me in my mentions. It's like, whatever. I put rankings together. I feel good. Matt, I'm sure you feel the same way. But the name I can't escape right now is VTech Vanacek. Just because I felt this way from day one last year when he went from Washington to New Jersey, it's Vtech Vanacek. And, and maybe, you know, he's found his game at the right point in his career. But I, I have to think there's regression coming with New Jersey's crease. And then Akira Schmid's a guy who's been pushing – For the last six to eight months in that crease as well. So I wonder if he, you know, dukes it out for some more playing time. But I think where he's being drafted, Vitek Vanacek would be my answer. Some other guys I would throw out there, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I just don't know if he can play the same way he did last year in terms of point production. Everything was going his way. The puck luck. I think he's more guy, better suited for 110 to, you know, 130 in terms of fantasy ranking. So I'm probably steering clear based on ADP. And Mark Stone is the other, like coming off an unbelievable Stanley Cup playoffs. But we all know that back issue isn't going away for the rest of his career. And you wonder if every regular season he will be limited. But you know what you can get in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I know you asked for one, but I gave you three. I'm sorry.
0: I like the answers, and it, it's true. Mark Stone, he's pretty much on my forever avoidance because <laughs> yep. of the back issues. Sorry, Mark. And the Vanacek answer—that's music to my ears. As someone who, at the last minute, our keeper declaration deadline in my league, I decided not to keep Vanacek because I was hearing the Akira Schmid footsteps and still worrying about a trade. So I like having that opinion validated. So Nick, earlier on the show, Steven and I were talking about the Leafs goaltending situation, how we might see it playing out. But obviously, you're a Leaf guy, not just a fantasy guy. So let's combine your two areas of expertise and predict the number of starts that we're going to see from Ilya Samsonov, from Joseph Fole. And hey, if you want to throw in some Martin Jones starts, be my guest.
4: I like it. I'm always weary of playing the prediction game because again, as you guys know, the, the crease is as volatile as it's ever been. Like I'm, I'm calling for a goaltending summit one summer. I will get it, but (laughs) it's just so different. So what I have slotted right now, and it's not going to work out this way. So don't quote me on it. Although I'm recorded right now is Samson off for 50 starts, Joseph wall for 32, Martin Jones. I'm not sold. He gets through waivers. Like that's the only way. And then on top of that, does that mean he's going to the AHL? Again, a lot can change in the next month. Who knows what happens in training camp? But, like, I'm not sold Martin Jones actually plays a game in the regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's more so because I think he could be elsewhere because we all know what happens in training camp. Guys get banged up or somebody's put on waivers or somebody doesn't work out or somebody stinks. Like, there's so many variables that can happen when it comes to the crease. So, I don't know if Martin Jones is going to play. So, that's the way I would divvy it up. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, because I think they're going to need at least a third goalie. I just don't know if it's going to be Martin Jones. So I'll go 50 starts for Samson, 32 for Joseph Wall.
2: And we know that there will definitely be a bunch of injuries because yes. it's the Leafs goaltending situation, and that's what happens all <laughs> the time. And it, you know, it'd be disappointing if it would be Wall, a guy who has had to face so many injuries. But yeah. uh, you know, I actually I kind of feel confident in that goalie group. I don't know if I'm alone there. I, I, I kind of do. It's because you get two goalies with a lot to prove still. Sam Snow's got to prove that he's the long-term guy and and Wolves like this highly sought after prospect for a while that finally has a chance to kind of prove himself. I I get that.
4: I get that. Like, again, I'm it's tough because like, what is this league proven now with Aiden Hill winning a Stanley cup? Right. And there has been guys in the last couple of years, like even Jordan Binnington, I'd put in that company where he's more like a flash in the pan than a guy who's been a, a stud for 15 years. Like I understand where he came from. But like even with wool like weirdly enough i'm i'm still not sold he's an nhl goalie and it's more so because of the sample size what has he made 11 appearances in the nhl like something like that like he hasn't played very much and i think the good thing going for him is that he's older right he's he's mid-20s as opposed to one of these young goalies so maybe he can stomach a bit more i think the one thing i've been impressed with in wall's early career is like his fortitude. Like he can bounce right back after a crappy goal or something like that, which I think you need, I think is a bit tougher to learn earlier on in his career. And at the very least, I want to see him push Ilya Samsonov. I think that's part of the reason why they gave Samsonov a one-year contract is because they feel really highly. And I think if Samsonov does not play well, he knows there's a guy who is fully capable behind him in Joseph Wall. But again, I have my questions with both goalies, including the third string net minor. I think you look at Martin Jones last year. His record suggests he was good. The save percentage, yeah, probably not. I had him in fantasy hockey. You knew he's probably surrendering four or five goals, but he might win the game, right? So mm-hmm. I think with every team, there's going to be those question marks. The Leafs defensively, there's there are surely, I should say, question marks. I, I think they found their game defensively as a team in the last couple of years. But as we know, you need goaltending to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So like that's one of my curious questions for the season for this team.
2: I did a mini scout poll a couple of days ago, and I asked, uh, if if, uh, I asked, I think it was 11 scouts, kind of what are your thoughts on Joseph Wool? and actually seven of them thought that he was not an NHL caliber goalie. So mm. kind of an Ooh. interesting little fact there. Wow. Uh, okay, well, I guess the last question I'll have for you, though, is speaking of goalies, what's the first goalie off your board this season, and what pick would you take him at?
4: This is tough because uh, I think there's a couple different guys. Uh, I'm eternally faithful to Andre Vasilevsky just because he's won me like multiple fantasy titles and he's an absolute stud. And I guess it depends on Tampa. Like they've been stripped of a lot of their depth here this year, especially in the bottom six. But I still think when healthy, Vas is the best goaltender on the planet, best fantasy goalie on the planet. So I'd probably take him in the eighteen to twenty mark. But I don't think you would you would lose sleep at night going after Shosturkin. Or Ottinger. That's my top my top three. I know people are high on on Sorokin. I'm not crazy about what the Islanders d- did this summer, so I wonder if the wins could be a bit off for for Sorokin. You know the heavy playing time. We just talked about the volatility of the position. So either one of those three guys, Vasilevsky Shosturkin, or Ottinger, the 18 to 20 mark again. You got to gauge this on the goalie. Run of the if one you know guy takes a goalie, then you have to jump on the next one. I think rather quickly if you want that stud. But anywhere in that range, I would feel comfortable, guys.
0: I like it. I don't have Vasilevsky number one. I have him number three, though. And I do think we're going to get a huge bounce back from him. I think people yeah. forget he's only 29 years old. In goalie years, that's not very old. And what's really exciting to me about Vasi is he hasn't played since April. We have not been able to say sure. that about mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. since the start of the 2019-20 season. He's rested this time. So I am predicting a massive uh, rebound, if you will, pun intended, from Andre Vasilevsky. Nick, this has been amazing, as always, excellent insight. And if anyone's listening or watching, you can find Nick's top 250 player rankings on dailyfaceoff.com right now. And Nick, before we let you go with that lovely blue background, anything (laughs) you want to plug? When's the show coming back?
4: Uh, So we haven't announced that, but I'll announce this on this podcast since I'm the first guest of season number two of Puck Pooley's What's Going On. October 2nd is the plan for the live show to come back. We haven't formally announced that, but if you do watch this or listen to this and you hear that, congratulations, you're one of the very few to know that. We're excited about season number two. We're coming back bigger and better. I think we're going to go a bit longer as well. And, and just generally excited for another riveting season of Maple Leaf hockey, only to find out what this team is going to do eight months from now. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see how this journey goes, guys
0: amazing thank you nick thanks for giving us the little piece of breaking news (laughs) on puck Poolies. who knew cheers buddy thanks guys thanks for having me okay thanks so much to nick always a great guest and steven we're going to talk a little bit of prospect right now and i'm very curious to learn about the name that you're tabling today this is someone who i have a hard time projecting so let's consider class in session tell us about jacob pellet on the calgary flames
2: It's funny because I didn't include Pelche in my top 20 uh, prospects for the the Calder trophy, but he originally was, and this is someone who in the AHL has absolutely nothing to prove. Uh, He's been over a point per game player now. Uh, Just a, a great, dual threat as a shooter as a passer a uh, good skater um but you know unfortunately with the calgary flames of, of last year they weren't really too interested in giving a lot of ice time to guys that are five foot nine and the thing about calgary is while arizona's got like the world's largest prospect pool in terms of physical size like every player is like six foot a thousand calgary's the complete opposite where you look at dustin Wolf, a small goalie and then you got jacob pelche who's uh five foot nine but i think that He's such a talented player, and Flames fans I'm kind of asking for him to take that next step. Now, with a new coach, could that change? To be interesting to see. Now, he played 24 games last year. Can't say he was anything overly incredible. He had seven points, and but part of that was the opportunities were just not great. He was, you know, he's good on the power play. He didn't get any of those those minutes he uh was playing a lot of defensive game well sure but he's a he's a point producer and a guy like that you're like he's a not a physical player going out there and throwing hits you need him to put in a scoring role i think you know with the calgary flames it'll be interesting to see what happens with this team i think it's more of a look at the team itself where there's all these rumors of all these guys not going to sign next year are they going to trade those players mid-season i'd say probably not you want to hold on those guys as long as possible but you know they Traded Tyler to Foley, so who knows? Um, so it would be interesting to kind of see if opportunities do come out of here. But I think he's got to be on that opening night roster. Uh, he's a free agent next summer, so I believe we're strictly sure free agent. So he, he'll want to keep, try to maximize that value. This would be the time to do it. So I think this is a good prove-me year. Hey, we've seen what you do in the AHL. Sure, our old coach didn't really give you those chances. Let's see what you could do here now. Prove yourself. I think that could be a nice little sleeper potential there.
0: I like it. And I do think it'll be very interesting to see how Calgary deploys its young players this year. Also, Matt Coronado, um, just with Daryl Sutter, the elephant in the room is gone. So with Ryan Huska in there as coach, maybe the door will be open for more of a youth movement. We'll see what happens in Calgary, but it's fun. At least we don't have to write off any prospect as fantasy relevant in Calgary anymore with Mr. Sutter out the door. (laughs) Uh, So Stephen, let's talk about best bets. And this is going to be a fun one, okay? Because I tweeted this week about Cole Caulfield being a Rocket Richard Trophy sleeper, and people lost their minds. I don't know what happened. I was harassed from the moment I sent that tweet to the moment I went to bed. People just went absolutely crazy. I picked, I, I said that Cole Caulfield was like my number 8th ranked guy for the Rocket Richard, but I'm going to double down here, okay? I'm going to take a stand and explain why. He is a very intriguing bet. If you look at the odds right now on Batano, Plus 6,400 for the Rocket Richard. That makes him the 16th ranked guy in the odds, okay? So this is the person supposedly with the 16th best chance to lead the league in goals. 48 goals in 83 games since Martin St-Louis took over as his coach. The Short Kings unite, and obviously he's unlocked Cole Caulfield. Over that span, 83 games, 5 on 5. The only players who average more goals per 60 minutes are David Pasternak and Austin Matthews. So, again, if you're keeping score, 48 goals in his last full season, third-best goal scorer in the league at 5-on-5 since Martin St. Louis took over, 16th-best Rocket Richard odds. That does not add up. That is the definition of larceny if you're placing a long-shot futures bet. Calm down if you're looking at this video. I'm not saying that Cole Caulfield is going (laughs) to win the Rocket Richard. You maniacs. What I'm saying is he's a great long-shot bet and his under-the-radar metrics five-on-five scoring is a better indicator of future scoring because it's more reliable. Based on all that information, I love Cole Caulfield as a long shot bet. I think it's entirely possible he gets that big 45-50 goal season, maybe even more. So make that your long shot bet. Stephen, what do you think? Am I crazy or not?
2: See, here's what I'll say. I don't think he's going to rock it Rocket Richard, but that's the point. This is a long shot bet, and I like those odds, to be honest. it's I think Because we missed so much of him last year I think it's hard to remember just how good He actually was playing before he got hurt there On a team that gave him no support So uh, we kind of expect him To get a lot of that ice time, a lot of those opportunities Again this year, that's not going to change As long as he stays healthy, I think 50 is definitely possible
0: Okay, so I feel feel Validated, I'm not going to get harassed again On this show by my co-host But we'll see what happens when we release The video clip of this I'm ready for it, bring it on uh Steven, we have a nice collection of questions this week so let's get to them what do we have from the mailbag well again thank you everybody for asking
2: questions i know it's been a, kind of a while since we've been back into doing regular episodes but uh good to see you guys are all back and actually again it seems like the support's been really good recently so thank you uh sal langford says hey guys so happy you're back Sorry, wait, what's your belief in Thatcher Demko hitting it
0: big this year? Lots of potential, but still feels like there's more he needs to do. Thanks for the question, Sal. Um, I'm happy that we're back too. Thank you. Um, So I've always been a big believer in Thatcher Demko. He has the pedigree, he has the size, he's athletic. I think he's mentally tough. He, and I mentioned the same kind of makeup for Joseph Wohl, but he just, he's always felt like a number one goaltender to me. And yes, he struggled last year with injuries, but from the moment he came back, 11-4-1, 9-18 11-4-1, 9-18 save percentage. So he was very much back to the normal Thatcher Demko. The other thing to factor in is you might say, well, what about the team in front of him? They're a little bit mediocre, but they were a better defensive team when Rick Tockett took over. So his expected goals against Thatcher Demko before Tockett was 2.95 with Bruce Boudreaux there. After Tockett, expected goals against for 60, 2.60. So that's a huge drop, much better defensive play in front of him. And he looked much better after getting healthy. So to me... I think the ingredients are there for Demko to bounce back, maybe be a top 12 fantasy goalie. And even just as I sort of did the research for this question, I realized I'm probably going to be boosting Demko in my next update of the rankings now that I see that underlying data.
2: Yep, I like that one. Uh, Jeremy Squire, so let's keep talking about goalies. Jeremy Squire asks, which goaltender do you foresee beating the odds to become a fantasy steal this year?
0: Okay, so a couple that I like we've already discussed at length on the show. So Joseph Wool, Devin Levi. So I'm going to offer a third name for you. Okay, Jeremy? And it's Carl Vemelka, Arizona Coyotes. That was going to be my All pick. Right, there you go. We're <laughs> on the same page. I love it. So to me, he's been a quality goalie since he got into the league. He just has had no help in front of him. But if you look at the Coyotes now, They have added Jason Zucker, Alexander Kerfoot, Nick Bugstad, Matt Dumba, Sean Derzy, Logan Cooley, turning pro. This team just looks night and day different this season. And if Vemelka was already keeping his head above water, what if this Coyotes team suddenly is like, I don't know, maybe they're an 85-90 point team. But knocking on the door of the playoff fringe, in that scenario, I think Vemelka suddenly becomes possible top 15 fantasy goalie. So to me, he's a good deep sleeper. Other one to keep an eye on, we talked about Calgary Flames prospects. Dustin Wolf, if they can find a way to get him onto the NHL roster. He's obviously one of the best prospects in the world at his position.
2: Yep. I, I can't argue with that one. Uh, two others I'll offer up is Spencer Knight. Uh, you know, we, we got to know Florida when it comes to Bobrovsky. You never know what you're going to expect. We saw the playoff run. Awesome. Um, but, you know, Spencer Knight, if he's healthy, he's all this time to, to kind of get back into the swing of things. It'd be interesting to see if he bounces back and becomes that goalie I think everyone expects him to be. And another is, I just feel like everyone has forgotten that Logan Thompson exists. Mm-hmm. I'm still a huge fan of Logan Thompson. He'd be like, it, it was looking like if I was picking mid, if the the Olympics were happening in February of 2023, it was not going, obviously. Uh, Logan Thompson was my starting goalie for Team Canada, so Great. there's that. Uh, Bradley asked, Who would you rather have, pasta or Maddie Kachuk? Now, I, he didn't say. David Pasternak because I do like <laughs> oh, cool. depending on the type of pasta where you're getting it from is pretty good.
0: But what are you? thoughts? It's true. And, and pasta was lowercase. So it's like, would I rather have a nice like rigatoni bolognese or Matthew Kachuk? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. But if we're talking David Pasternak, uh, again, I have to kind of cop out here, Brad, because I have them ranked literally side by side. So I'm basically flipping your coin already. I think their value is that close. Uh, I have Kachuk at number six overall, Pasternak number seven. To me, I dropped Pastor Neck a little bit based on what I would have had him last season just uh, because of the supporting cast problem. But if we see it's not JVR, and if it's you know Brad Marchand is on that top line or Jake DeBrusque going into the season, as we mentioned earlier in the show, then I, I could see myself bumping past a up maybe to the top five. And with Kachuk, obviously he's coming off the sternum injury. You have to keep an eye on that. But when I talked to him last before, after the season, I did talk to him and he indicated like he was going to rest up, but there was no worry uh, early on that he was going to miss any time to start the season. So I assume that's still the case. Um, I think Kachuk ceiling a little bit higher in a banger format. Obviously, neck much higher ceiling in goals. So again, splitting hairs. I have Kachuk right now, I could see myself flip flopping them. But it's real. It's it's an actual coin flip for me.
2: Yeah, honestly, I <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the one having to choose between the two. I'd be happy if we, whoever I picked of those two. Uh, and then uh, Neftilli Clinton. The other face-offs. Uh, who'd you rather draft in a one-year league? Ovechkin or Crosby? I think my pick's easy, but what's your
0: yeah? I think this is easy too. If it's a points only league, it's Crosby. He's going to outscore Ovechkin probably by 10 or more points. If it's any other format, then you're going Alex Ovechkin. He's gonna score more goals. He's gonna get more hits, he's gonna get more shots. Case closed.
2: Yeah, uh no, no question for me there. Eric Carlson also being on there on the power play is going to make that power play actually usable for the first time in quite a long time. Uh, we got a two-parter here from Ranton and Raven, one of our good buddies here. Uh, try my first auction league this year. We have a $200 cap and 20-man
0: teams. What's your max bid on McDavid? Yeah, it's a tough question. So the way I would break this down is basically McDavid is two 75-point players put together, right? So And a 75-point player is like reasonably valuable. Uh, maybe that would be worth a quarter of your budget. So if you have two 75 point players in one, I think you can blow half your budget. I would spend up to $100 of your $200 cap on Connor McDavid.
2: Yeah. Connor McDavid's like a league winner. Like, not to go back to the league winner discussion earlier, but Connor McDavid is Connor yeah, McDavid. He's so. winner, yeah yeah, you, you kind of need him if you can get him. Uh, and another question from him is when it's your turn to nominate a player for bidding, do you select a player you want or a player you think will start a bidding war that you may have a little interest in? I could tell you that I really abused that last year. And one of the players I abused it on was Jonathan (laughs) Huberto. And guess what? That
0: worked out well for me. (laughs) Yeah. I love this question. And it's something I've thought a lot about because my fantasy football league is an auction league. So I've really honed my strategy over the years. Um, and what you do, it depends on the flow of the auction. Okay. So Let's say there are many players left, still on the board that you like to position. In that case, I think you wanna be bleeding as much money as you can on players you don't want. So nominating high profile players that you're not interested in over and over. Just keep getting people to spend big on the position that you don't need or the player that you don't want. And then when it comes time to make your bid big, your big bid, then you're gonna have less competition. But if you're reaching a juncture, you're sort of deeper into the auction and you're seeing a drop off. So let's say you don't have your starting goal yet and there are two really good ones left on the board you need to know if you're going to get one of them because that's going to affect how you spend or if you're going to go zero goalie and to go cheap and you're going to spend more on forwards. so in that case when it's your turn to nominate i think you got to force the issue and put the player up and just find out if you're going to get that player or not so auction strategy keep it pretty elastic change based on where you are in terms of what's happening during your auction
2: uh there was one last year was my first time doing an auction league draft and one of the guys that we had uh, in it uh mariana who's a listener of this show uh i had a uh we, we kind of as a joke started putting up players like chad rudel on pittsburgh who had like no points and chad chris and a couple other guys that were not even in the nhl anymore and putting those guys up for auction and he bid on almost all of them <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny he made, he made the draft a little more fun that way so shout out to Mariano but uh, I guess that's kind of it for the the questions and this is a starting lineup uh, to close things out that I really like and it's naming your favorite cities to visit and it doesn't have to be hockey related it doesn't have to be like oh I like this city because they have great restaurants in front of the. no give me your favorite cities in the world yeah this is a
0: really tough one uh before I before I dive in I wanted to just throw out one funny auction thing uh I was in a fantasy football draft and the Atlanta Falcons had Julio Jones but they also had Julian Jones who showed up as Jay Jones with the Falcons logo. Uh, Somebody nominated him at the beginning and then somebody bid on it and spent a bunch of money on Julian Jones. It was awesome. Uh, Okay, so this is a great question. It's really tough. A few honorable mentions, places that I really enjoy going to, Nashville, Chicago, New Orleans, Paris, Rome, Venice, Barcelona. This sounds like I'm James Bond just hopping the globe. These are places I've visited over a 20 year span, okay? So I'm not just yachting around the globe, I wish. Uh, In terms of my top six, Okay. I'm taking some liberties. I don't know if all of these are considered cities, but we'll find out. Okay. Number six, Kenny Monkport, Maine. So East Coast is a place my family has gone for years. It's, it's where my mom's parents' ashes are, are buried off a rock wall. Not buried. They're put in the sea off the rock wall. It's just a great place to go in the fall. Amazing seafood. The best seafood I've ever had. The best lobster I've ever had. Best clam chowder I've ever had. Really nice beach. And it's kind of cool to go during the cold weather season because it's quieter there uh, and just a beautiful place. Number five, Nice in France. Front in France, (laughs) I sound like a douche. Uh, But the south of France is an absolutely beautiful place. The food there is amazing. I enjoyed the nightlife there too. I went there in my early 20s, so much to do there. And just so, such easy access to other areas. So stay in Nice and you can go to Monaco or Cannes in the course of a day, really quick trip. So a lot of flexibility there and just an absolutely beautiful place. Number four, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is not, necessarily the most stylish place to go. It doesn't have the most character, but it's probably the place I'm most comfortable. I've been there so many times in my life. It's the place I've spent the most time that I haven't lived in. So I can sort of just wander the city and know exactly where everything is. I'm very comfortable there. I've taken a lot of reporters to an awesome restaurant in a strip mall called Batista's Hole in the Wall, really kitschy Italian food, unlimited, bad, free wine, right, white and red both served ice cold. It's amazing. Uh, number three, I don't know if this counts as a city, but Santorini, Greece, that's where I went on my honeymoon. I've never been to a place that felt so much like you're on another planet, like you're on you're on top of a crater of a volcano. You're way above sea level, like you're walking mountains to get from town to town, and you're just so far away. I've never felt so successfully disconnected from you know technology and phones, and you just feel like you're just totally free. So most relaxing place I've ever been. Number two, Montreal. I just never have a bad time there. The draft was so much fun last year. I just think it's a great city. It's a beautiful city. It has a lot of character. The food is great. I love the nightlife. And it's just there's just so much to do. And it's also a place that has this very, I don't know, stylish vibes to it as well. Uh, It's just a cool place to go. I just love everything about Montreal. Never have a bad time there. Number one, New York. Some people are West coast people. Some people are East coast. I'm more of an East coast person. I love the liveliness of New York. I'm a very hyper person. So I love being in all the chaos and the action. I feel very at home there. Amazing sports venues, amazing history, amazing restaurants, amazing places to go shows, whatever it is. There's a million things to do there and it's just such a vibrant place. So that's my number one. I haven't been there since 2015. Excited to go back.
2: All right. I, uh, I didn't even. I had a couple I wanted to offer up, and you've mentioned two of them: Montreal, Nashville. Again, kind of for the same reasons, they're just great. Uh, Daytona Beach, just because I love going mm-hmm. to the Daytona Five Hundred, and uh, New York City. I love giant cities. Uh, it's funny because it's. I almost want to move to a very small town and not be anywhere near a city. It's either small city or small town with nothing going on or major city with
0: everything going on at all the time. It's, there's no, impact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally feel you. Like I like to live in the chaos and then escape to the chill. So that's sort of my vibe. So you're in the action and then you take a break. So you go somewhere quiet on a vacation as always. See,
2: See, that's kind of why like my ideal vacation last little bit's been oh camping's actually a lot of fun. You go in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of like low effort. It just do whatever you want. I don't love traveling for vacations. I don't care to go sightseeing. I don't care to go to Europe just to go and just see something. Like I, I want to take part in something. But also, I like the idea of not just f- spending so much time of it traveling mm-hmm. too. So there's kind of things about that. So yeah. that, that's how especially I especially
0: like in it. this era of crazy flight delays, you basically have to give up an entire day for travel so it is a a legitimate consideration well uh that is the end of this episode it was a nice meaty one i think we're going to really get back in the swing of things and like i said at the start of the show we are now back to our full season schedule because we know you're going to need some help with your fantasy draft prep we are here for you with lots more tips advice and guests thank you for listening and watching we'll see you next week